Good morning, Valley Lights. There are some people in California that feel their way of life is being threatened. A recent study shows that 63% of Californians feel that the American dream is dead here. That's interesting. There's also another study put out by U-Haul, you know, the moving truck company. Uh, they do this migration growth tracking where they figure out where all the trucks are going and which states have the most migration, people moving into them. And so they rank the states. And on a list of 50 states, guess where California ranks? It's actually 50. <laughs> In 2020, California ranked 50, um, which means that people would move just about anywhere else before they would move to California. Um, and just for fun, uh, number one on the list was Tennessee. Number two was Texas. And then three was Florida. And fourth was Ohio. So those seem like great places to live too. So much has happened that has caused people in our world, not just California, but all around us to feel unsettled. And uh, I actually, we had a group meeting a few weeks, last night actually, and uh, I asked our team, some, of our, some folks on our core team, if your life was a, uh, an amusement park ride, what ride have you been riding? And uh, one guy said the teacup ride from Disneyland because, you know, you're spinning around, you know, you, you, you move the thing in the middle and uh, it can control some of the spinning, but there's a lot of spinning that happens anyway that you can't control. And you like fly by your friends sometimes or you, you, you fly past people. Another person said uh, Space Mountain, the ride where you go on the roller coaster and, it's, and uh, you can see the track and then it goes dark and you fly through this thing and in the dark you turn left or right and you just don't know what's coming up or down and you're, you're just flying all over the place. That's a little bit about how you know you may have been feeling over the past year. Uh, we opened this church two weeks ago. We're brand new, we just grand opened, and we started with a message series called Unfazed, how to have complete confidence in a troubling world. And uh, unfazed means to not be concerned, not thrown off, uh, not thrown off balance. And so we're, we're looking at the perspective and the help that God gives us in the Bible. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor here at Valley Lights. And uh, so far we've looked at how to be unfazed, first by uncertainty, and then second by uh, sickness and death. And those, those were some real helpful topics. Um, when you feel like your way of life is being threatened, um, how, how can we be unfazed by, by, by the threat or, or a sense of intimidation? And uh, we, can, we can feel intimidated, we can get confronted with things that cause us to feel daunted, uh, frightened or pushed around. Um, intimidation means to, to attempt to force someone to do something by inducing fear. And uh, when I think of intimidation, I, I think of a guy who uh, puffs up his chest and does like a you know, fake pump at you, try to get you to sit down or to do something. Um, I was leading a trip. <laughs> I thought about a trip that I led as a, as a youth pastor and uh, a few years ago with some guys in, in high school that... Uh, Let's, you know, they were, they were new to following me, and so I was curious to find out on this trip that we took, um, you know, if, if I would have the influence over the group. And so at the beginning of the trip, we were at a McDonald's getting some fast food um, on, on our journey, and the guys were arm wrestling. And I thought, here's my chance. Here's my chance to prove myself as the leader. And it was sort of risky, though, because 
Um, I was thinking um, the oldest guy, I think one of the oldest guys was a wrestler in high school. And so, you know, I thought if, if I can beat him, then I might earn the street cred and get the influence over the group. Uh, my only hesitation though is at the time I'm, uh, I'm a pretty skinny guy. I'll just, I just gotta say that. It, it, it's taken me a long time in my life to come to grips with the fact that God has not um, endowed me with bulging biceps, um, fairly skinny. So I actually didn't know for sure if I could win <laughs> against this high schooler. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, it was a, sort of a calculated risk. If, if I didn't win, then I probably the whole rest of the trip would be a wash. And uh, so I thought, but I've got man strength. I've, uh, you know, I'm in my 30s, so there's a certain amount of body toughness that comes from getting bigger. So, uh, you know what? We arm wrestled and I won. <laughs> we settled the issue right there in McDonald's. And I said, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> for helping me. Um, but you know what? I'm, I'm a fairly confident guy in most situations, but I can be intimidated by people who are bigger than me. I can be intimidated by people that have more money um, or people that have a real prestigious position of a company or a business. Intimidation, it can hit us in a variety of ways, um, on, a, on a big scale or in a small ways. The Bible provides us with several examples of God's people dealing with intimidation. And uh, so we're gonna actually look at one right now. On a global scale, we can feel intimidated. Look at Psalm 2. Uh, this, uh, it says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and his anointed one. Let's tear off their chains and throw their ropes off us, is what they say. And there's this word where plot, where people are plotting against, there's really this strategizing to come against God and his people and his ways. And um, there's even a cooperation where people are working together, or nations or kingdoms um, at the time when this was written was, were working against God. And even today, uh, much of the world sees God as someone who's interfering with their lives and their freedoms. And it's like God's ways have been like chains and shackles that the world would say, you know, we're not going to be ruled by anyone. We're, we're done with this. And when people reject God's rule, they reject his standard for right and wrong. And uh, at that point, intimidation and injustice can run rampant. So, you know, when you look around, we, we can be faced with a sense of threat or intimidation on a global scale. Or personally, you could be, uh, feel that if you've been intimidated by a person, um, a coworker, or maybe a family member, or it's just someone out on the street, someone trying to put you in your place. Um, Psalm 3 is, is another part of the Bible we can read, written by David in the Old Testament when, when his son Absalom was out to take the throne and was out for blood. And so there, there's a statement written by David when he was fleeing for his life. And he said, Lord, how my foes increase. There are many who attack me. Many say about me, there's no help from him, for him and God. And from this, it's, it's sort of a, a, there's, it's a poetic way of looking at, at the reality that sometimes our enemies can feel or can be numerous. Um, you know, it says, there people, you know, my enemies are increasing. Our, our enemies can be aggressive and attack us either uh, verbally or physically. And our enemies can be mocking, where they say, he thinks God's gonna help him. 
he thinks he's got comfort and security in, in his belief in Jesus. And when you look at the world around you, do you feel like any part of your life is being threatened? Do you feel like um, your quality of life or, or your ability to earn and make a living and provide for yourself is being threatened? Or do you feel like um, there's this intimidation happening in, in the form of government or in the freedoms that, that you would prefer or that you enjoy? Do you feel like fear tactics over, over the past year have, have been employed and been used to, to cause people to do things? Or do you feel like even, even your faith in God is being challenged um, or dismissed or mocked or intimidated? There's a great illustration of intimidation um, from a video that went viral last year in 2020. It's called Cougar Attack in Utah. <laughs> and it's about a guy who was out for a run on a trail and a mountain lion jumps on the trail and, and starts stalking him. And uh, the guy holds up a phone. I don't know why he was recording. <laughs> He's holding up a phone, walking backwards while this cougar is stalking him. And, and it pretty aggressively just hissing and snarling and then it would occasionally do these you know, fakes where it would, it would nearly pounce on him. And the guy is, is, so the cougar's trying to intimidate the guy. The guy is trying to intimidate as best as he could by, by, by kicking rocks or throwing rocks or shouting. And eventually the guy succeeds in deterring the mountain lion, but it takes six minutes. It's like six minutes of, of just tension where this guy's life is, is on the line. If you watch the video, uh, there's a lot of language, which would seem somewhat natural, I, I suppose, pretty understandable if, if his life was that in danger. But his emotional response in, in such an extreme situation is a good reflection of how we might feel when we're feeling intimidated, which it, it could go, generally it goes two ways, either uh, fear or anger or, or a mix of both of those things together and just tons of tension. And, and you see that in the video, and you may feel that at times. When you're being threatened or intimidated by a person or by the news of what's going on around you in the world, do you tend to get more angry and worked up and frustrated or tend to get fearful and worried or, or a combination? The guy in the cougar video, just imagine, how much control did he have over the mountain lion? There's none. He had no control at all. There may be things happening in our world that are out of your control, or there may be things being done to you personally right now that are outside of your control. Throughout this series, we've been reading through the book of Psalms, which is a part of the Bible that has a big collection of prayers and poetry and songs that provide some real stable ground to stand on. It gives us the perspective that we need. And so we're gonna look at Psalm 37, which is again written by King David. And what we find is that God can be trusted to bring us through all trouble. God can be trusted to bring us through trouble. And one of the reasons we can trust him is that God's not intimidated by anything. Take a deep breath and just realize that God is not rattled, ever. He's, he's not phased. Um, he sits on the throne, whether, whether it's big global problems or personal events, nothing makes him flinch. Nobody can, can do a fake on him that, that makes him step back. Even when entire nations join forces and plot against God and, and even mock him, 
he sits in heaven and he laughs. He laughs at this attempt. In Psalm 37, verse 12, it says, The wicked person schemes against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. The Lord laughs at him because he sees that his day is coming. No one can go head to head with God. God can't be outsmarted, outmaneuvered, or outgunned. Every country on the planet could come together and form a unified assault on God and his people and his ways. And God would not only maintain composure, but he would laugh. He's totally un unworried about it. God's not intimidated by large-scale world affairs, and so we don't need to be either. We can also trust God to bring us through all trouble because we confidently hold out for our home in eternity. Look at Psalm 37, five, starting in 5. It says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. For evil evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. This passage helps us stretch out our timeline and, and really look at the long game. There's, you know, if we only look at current events, things that are happening right now or in my life right now, it sure, it's, it's very easy to get con concerned. Will things ever go back to normal? Will things in, in, in our city ever go back exactly the way that they were a year ago? I don't know, but putting hope in that happening, that's pretty shaky ground. When we remember that Christ followers have rock-solid hope for spending eternity with God, we can stand strong in very threatening conditions. Making, you know, we talked about making your righteousness shine like the dawn. There's such a picture of, of brightness where dark and hidden things are exposed and just swept aside. When we trust and delight in him, God is the avenger of, of the righteous. And so we see this command to commit our way to him and to trust him. And part of the reason for that is, is because on the way to eternity, it's likely that we may experience still some struggle or pain or loss. And I love the picture that David paints later in this chapter. He says, a, a person's steps are established by the Lord. God, God oversees and directs the way we go. Um, and he takes pleasure in his way, especially when we really do delight in God and his ways. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed because the Lord supports him with his hand. There are some tough moments that can knock us down, knock us clean off our feet and some things that are, that are just dreadful and overwhelming, overwhelming situations. And in this life, we may have a, a rough ride on the way to permanent safety. But those who, are, who have fully entrusted themselves to God are guaranteed success that lasts. But we need to be ready to endure. We, we may have times where we go without. Um, or there's time when there's the opposition and the enemies. It's, it's very intense. Or there's, there may be periods of time where we see the ungodly prospering and doing really well. And it's hard to make sense of. But even in the, in the midst of unimaginable opposition, God can sustain us and fight for us and save us. And, and in the long run, vindicate us. So... When, whenever you feel threatened or intimidated, if you feel like circumstances in life are like a mountain lion stalking you down the trail, first, 
stop getting worked up. <laughs> uh, David tells us in Psalm 37, be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly. Yeah, even means hopefully, full of, of expectant hope. Wait for him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. Agitated, this word that comes up in this verse, it can be translated a few ways. It, it, uh, it means to, to, to get all worked up, to get either angry and frustrated or to get worried and fretful. It kind of reminds, but either way, there's this uh, agitation. It, it kind of reminds me of a big pot of water boiling on the stove where the, the flame is turned on and the water's up at the, at the brim, bubbling over and gurgling and, and uh, splashing out of the pot. pot. And there's this ongoing agitation where, where uh, in life sometimes it feels that way. Man, I'm just, I'm agitated and I, I can't sit down. I can't focus. This actually happens to me sometimes when we go to Taco Tuesday. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a restaurant, El Torito Grill, where we would, on Tuesday nights, I would feel this agitation and where I couldn't sit down because they have it set up where you, uh, you wait for a table and there's, because the tacos are so cheap, people just walk in and um, instead of being seated by a server or a host, you wait for someone to get up and then you sit down at the table. But uh, I was, we were like, well, let's try this out. We, I was there one night and um, I'm so stressed out because I'm waiting for somebody to get up. I'm, I'm just looking around, is anybody pulling out their wallet? Um, as soon as someone makes a move, we're, we're gonna go get that table. Because the worst thing in the world would be if someone who came after us you know, showed up and got the table. They were standing a little bit closer, just kind of hovering closer, and they got the table before us. I, since, I, since I go to Taco Tuesday hungry already, I feel like it's a situation where I'm not set up for success. <laughs> and uh, so I just tell myself just to relax, just, just cool it. And uh, my wife is just there, just enjoying the experience, just wait, you know, we'll, we'll get a table eventually. And uh, I, could, I couldn't, no matter how much I told myself to cool it, I couldn't relax. So we did Taco Tuesday one time, <laughs> and not after that. Um, but this, there's a sense of agitation that we can feel in more dire circumstances. And you read the news about, man, can you believe what just happened? Can you believe that this bill was passed? Or can you believe what, what just happened in that city, in another state? What's going on? And, and there's this need to, to talk about it or figure out more why that's happening. Three times in this chapter, David says, do not be agitated. He's saying, cool it, cool your jets, relax. This is very hard to do because when there, when there is injustice at stake and threats, uh, man, the, the emotions can, can bubble up and boil over, uh, but we can come back to God, to trusting him, to in, in prayer and just calling out to him for help and then getting stable and secure in his word. David says that fret only, you know, the agitation and the worry and the anger, it only brings harm to ourselves anyway. Because one of the struggles highlighted in this chapter is that there's this seeming prospering of people that are ungodly and don't want anything to do with God and his ways. In fact, it says, I have seen a wicked, violent person, well-rooted, like a flourishing native tree, He's saying, I've seen people that, that don't want God, don't want his ways, and, and they do great harm to other people. And somehow, they go on just fine. And they seem to be prospering. 
not not just not just surviving, but flourishing like like an established healthy tree. Have you ever driven by really expensive homes, like multi-million dollar homes, and you think, man, what, are they, what must they do for a living in order to be in that home? And very quickly, within seconds, you know, I've done this, it, you, it turns into, it can turn into to jealousy and envy or, or comparison about what I have. And man, look at that backyard or that garage. And uh, it's true that not everyone that has an expensive home is wicked. <laughs> Um, but there are some who, whose lives are built on violence and wickedness. And, and what David says about this dynamic is that um, he saw them at one point flourishing. Then I passed by, he says, and noticed that this person was gone. I searched for him, but he could not be found. And this really is a common dynamic where there are so many, there's so many articles out there of where are they now? Where, where childhood stars or athletes or pop stars, many, many people that um, totally disregard God's guidance for life. And then, and then at a certain point, you can't find them or they've fallen out of grace or move out of the spotlight. You can read about scandals in Hollywood or, or powerful executives that misuse their power for pleasure. Even the most powerful men and women who employ ruthless schemes. And um, there will be a day when, when all of that comes crashing down. But if we're not careful, along the way, we, we can shift from this agitation to looking around and, and just seeing um, things to be jealous of and, and hoping that, you know, if, if people are, are experiencing that good life, that, that they fade and wither and we can become so easily judgmental. Nothing about that pleases God. Uh, when we get into envy, uh, another part of the Bible says it just only harms ourselves, that a tranquil heart is life to the body but jealousy is rottenness to the bones. Getting into envy and comparison, it only hurts us. Uh, it, it eats away at us inside. So David says, cool it, relax, when, when we're in that environment. So when, when we're troubled or feeling threatened, first stop getting worked up, and then, and then second, start delighting in the Lord. Um, Psalm 37, three and four says, trust in the Lord, and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Trust in the Lord and do good. This is, this is how we can stack up many good days, one after another, uh, by getting clear on God's commands for life and, and walking it out and, and living to please him. As we travel towards eternity, which is, is going to be a place of safety and permanence, we can engage ourselves in doing good while we're here. Not just, not just sitting back with our arms crossed, um, just you know, holding out or waiting. Um, God wants us to plant our lives somewhere and make a significant contribution. Making a, a long-term investment for the benefit of others is, well, that's, that's an unusual thing. It's countercultural to do that to make that kind of long-term investment. Typically what comes naturally is to keep our eyes on the horizon and just keep, keep looking out in the distance. What, what better things might I be able to move up to? All the things in my life right now are a stepping stone to what is gonna be coming next. The grass is greener as I, as I move up or move on. And, or, or in a situation of, of threat and intimidation, the temptation might just be just to hunker down and just and wait, it, wait for it to blow over. 
we can instead move forward in life choosing to trust God and to do good and doing things to find delight in him and, and do things to, that really please him. That as we, one of the things that we can do that's you know, described in this verse uh, in terms of finding delight and having the desires of our heart is we can spend time with God, our creator, on a regular basis through uh, prayer and reading his word and really in, in cultivating um, a right relationship with him uh, that really is the only way to be fully content and satisfied. One possibility you have for making a contribution is here at this church right now. You've, you've walked in at the ground level. Something brand new is being built. Um, this, is a, this is a new collection of people. This church, uh, God has made clear that he wants to get established here. And I don't know why, why God brought you online right now or over the past few weeks, if you've been watching with us, um, the connection point that, that may have sparked um, you know, time together. But maybe God wants you to, to use you in this group. You have been given a unique personality. I know that God's wired you in a certain way. And he's wired you in a way that you can be a real help and a blessing to other people if you let him and you get in position to... to you know, whether that's here or in some other place or some other church or environment. And I, I've spent a lot of time with pastors in Santa Clarita of uh, real big churches and small ones and uh, different denominations. And I've been encouraged because over and over, pastors I've talked to have been thrilled that a new church is getting started here. And so they're rooting us on. And if you were to hang with us, this, you know, brand new thing, You'd have to be the kind of person that has vision to see something that's not there yet because there's a lot that we don't have yet. Um, we're, we're, there's a lot left to be built. And at our current stage, we have very little to offer. And so if, if you logged on or if you're considering involvement at this church and the question is, what's in it for me? Uh, the answer is not on a very long list. <laughs> it's not long. Um, in fact, you could um, instantly hop onto any other website. You just a click away, you could find a thousand pastors or preachers or speakers that have more training and skill and ability than I do. You could um, go surf around for, for programs or um, things to get involved in for you or your kids or resources to buy and have sent to your house. There's all kinds of things you could find um, for different life stages even. And the two main things that we have to offer, there's, there's two things at our small stage just at the beginning. Uh, the two things that we have to offer are Christ and community. That's, that, that's, the big, that's the big draw that we have. Jesus Christ first is the solution for a stressed, broken, threatened, intimidated world. And all, all of the hope that we have for peace and stability and, and lasting hope and joy is found in him. And so, so we have this secret that many people are dying for, uh, dying to know. And, and if you also are in a place where you're exploring Christianity and you're wanting to investigate that, and really what it means to follow him, then let us know, uh, you know, either on the chat or through the connection card that we have or, or emailing us. So that's the first thing, Jesus Christ. Um, the other thing we have to offer is community. Uh, 
And we don't have all the staff, we don't have all the programs or the departments. We do have a community of good relationships. Our launch team, the folks that moved to Santa Clarita during a pandemic to help us start a new church, uh, which we're, we're doing you know, online and in person, this team, we burned the ships. We, we went all in because we believe with our whole hearts that God's blueprint for biblical relationships is worth spreading. It's, it's the thing that's changed our lives. We didn't move here to build programs. We moved here to build up people. And we're very excited to do that. And so if you want Jesus Christ, um, or if you want community, then we want you to team with us. You can be a part of it. During, during a time when a lot of people are living in isolation, um, or where it's really easy to live in fear, we can, we can build something together that provides a lot of hope and connection for people. There's so much value in that. Jesus is the light of the world, and so we invite you to be a light along with us for people that are walking through valleys in their lives. And if you're different than me, I think that's even better. <laughs> if you're older than me or if you're younger than me, uh, if you have a different personality or a different ethnicity, that doesn't matter. The only uh, disqualifier is if you're perfect. Because if you're perfect, you're not going to fit in here. <laughs> uh, you could even ask my family. Uh, there, there are some days that I'm a complete mess. And if you and I were to, were to spend time together in person, it would only take a few minutes before you began to notice some of my weaknesses. And I, I'm so grateful that God uses messy and weak people. Uh, I, I, it's, I, can't I honestly can't believe that God's using our family to start a new church. It's amazing. It's, it's what gives me so much hope for other, peop other people, knowing that, that God's using us. He certainly can use you. And I think he's, he's wired you specifically to be a help to others. Practically speaking, that uh, things that we could use help in a practical sense right now, um, our in-person gathering, which meets on Sundays, is uh, something we could use help with our setup and our teardown. We have a worship team that is borrowed. So we're looking for a worship leader and musicians. And then next Sunday, we're actually gonna begin in the park our children's ministry, which is gonna have just a few classes broken down so that uh, first, so parents can focus a little more easily at, on the worship service experience. And also, uh, we, we have tremendous value on raising the next righteous generation. This gives an additional touch point during the week to help parents with the task of raising kids up in, in the Lord. So we're really excited about that. If you have interest in getting involved, uh, maybe you even have some experience working with kids, and um, we're going to build um, something simple that's done in a safe way. Um, we'd love we'd love to find out and connect with you. So let it let, you know. Write volunteer with kids if you want to get more info about that. Write that either on the chat or on the connection card or email us. Um, another thing that can be done that you can do practically to help us with this mission is to invite people. You can invite people easily, you know, but to watch online. Um, you can invite people to experience some of the things that we do. Um, you know, we've got different online and in person. Uh, connection points and events. You can even invite people into your home and help build a sense of community that's, that's so needed right now. If you'd like to get involved in any way, we, we'd love to be 
connect with you. And I, I personally would love to talk with you too, either by email or phone. If you were to leave some contact information, I'd love just to follow up and say hello and, and thanks for tracking with us either today or over the past few weeks. We've been living through some strange and threatening times and, and we can choose to not live in fear. We can choose to not be agitated and angry. I love the steady confidence that we get from Psalm 37. And in fact, I'd encourage you, we just looked at a few verses and the chapter is amazingly helpful. I'd encourage you to read through the whole thing, especially at a moment when you're feeling the sense of threat or being overwhelmed by life. The very first passage from the Bible that we looked at, the beginning of this message was from Psalm 2 and it was all about nations coming together to, to go against God, to go head to head against him, to go against Jesus, against God's people, against his ways, and how it can feel intimidating. But in Acts 4, which is a, a much later part in the Bible, we can read about the early Christians who uh, referenced the same passage in Psalm after they had been threatened by people that were ruling over them and uh, they, they were instructed not to talk about Jesus anymore, and they, they were very threatened. But they referenced these early Christians, they referenced this passage, and they said, you know, and now, Lord, and they prayed, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with boldness, with all boldness. Even when we feel threatened in life, we can proclaim the message with boldness. This, this is another you know, when we're instructed to, to cool it and to relax, this is actually one thing that we can get worked up about. <laughs> this is something that we can put tremendous excitement and energy behind, uh, is telling people the good news about how to find Jesus and get right with God. This is our goal. We want people to know about the peace that can be found in Jesus and how to avoid um, unnecessary loss and damage now in this life and ultimate dis destruction in eternity. And while we're sharing about Jesus, we can anticipate that trouble may roll in. But again, that God can be trusted to bring us through all trouble. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. It's, it, it brings hope and encouragement and stability. And your power and your um, ability and, and your permanence, the fact that you sit on the throne despite all the things going on around us, it, it brings so much courage and confidence to us. And so we praise you for that. We acknowledge your place as creator and sustainer of the universe. And help us to, to really submit, you know, those emotions that rise up, that, that get us off track or focused or even into envy or discouragement. I pray that you would help us to deal with those rightly by looking to your word and looking to you in prayer. And would you use uh, the people that are coming around online and in person to help us build up this church so that we can be a blessing to more and more people sharing the good news about Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. Well, have a great week and we'll see you next time.